So they're breathing through their mouths and their mouths are teeming with mercury fillings in many cases. And those mercury fillings are chronically off-gassing mercury vapor. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Health Podcast. I am your host, Angela Foster, and today we're going to be talking about something a bit different. We're going to be diving into the world of biological and holistic dentistry. It may not be something that you've particularly thought of or thought much about in the past, but your mouth is actually an integral part of your body and teeth originate from the same tissues that form your central nervous system. And as my guest, Dr. Kelly Blodgett explains in this interview, treating the oral cavity as though it was separate from the rest of the body is inherently flawed and ultimately leads to compromised health. And our oral health can have an impact on our entire body. He explains that when the health of a tooth is compromised, the changes in the original pulp tissues, which include the tooth itself, the blood, the lymph vessels and the nerve fibers are actually predictable, measurable and will affect all organ systems which are embryologically connected to that tooth. And if you actually Google tooth energy meridian chart, you'll be able to see the links between teeth and their connected organ systems. And Dr. Kelly Blodgett shares some incredible stories of patients and the problems that they've had in their body and how the health of their teeth have related to this. We also talk about whether you should be drinking things like lemon water or apple cider vinegar mixed into water in the morning. We discuss the toxicity of mercury fillings and how they're off-gassing mercury. And we dive into flora. I myself actually have swapped out my fluoride toothpaste to one by Jason, um, which is completely fluoride free. There have been numerous studies on the toxicity of fluoride. In fact, a Harvard School of Public Health and China Medical University in Shenyang study performed a joint analysis of 27 studies on the effects of fluoride. And what the researchers found was a strong correlation between fluoride and the adverse effects on brain development. And it showed that children in high fluoride areas have significantly lower IQ scores than those living in low fluoride areas, which is pretty staggering when you think that about 6% of the world's population, but 75% of the US population receive artificially fluoridated water. And your mouth is incredible at absorbing this. That's why things like sublingual vitamins and tinctures work so well is because we do absorb so much through the mouth. So I've definitely been swapping out my toothpaste and we have as a family. But let me introduce you to Dr. Kelly Blodgett because he really is defining the modern dental experience. And over the past 20 years, he's created a practice which is recognized as an international hotspot for dental tourism. He attracts those who seek a holistic and biological approach to their oral health. And through his weekly Toxic Tuesday and Wellness Wednesday social media post on Instagram, which I definitely recommend you check out, Dr. Blodgett shares truths not commonly discussed in traditional dental settings. And his post series illustrate his patients' incredible journeys back to health, along with providing best practices for predictable oral and systemic health. So let me introduce you now to Dr. Kelly Blodgett. So I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Kelly Blodgett from Portland, Oregon. He is a specialist and a world-renowned expert, in fact, in biological 
and holistic dentistry. I haven't had anyone yet on the show who specializes in this area, and I know it's going to be a very popular topic. So first of all, a huge welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. I've got lots and lots of questions, some actually that people have messaged me on. Um, So kind of to kick off, let's just start for the real beginner person. What is the difference between standard dentistry, a lot of people just go and see, you know, their their normal dentist in comparison to someone who practices like yourself, biological and holistic dentistry? Sure. Um, Well, I would say that the it, it, I would say there's a range, first of all, right, within within practice. It's kind of a spectrum. But I, I would say the in general, the difference that I observe is that in a practice like mine, we spend a lot of time looking at systems, like health systems, right, as opposed to health symptoms. So in, in the standard dental practice, there's a lot of like, okay, let's just look in your mouth. Let's take a few x-rays and look at the x-rays. It's all objective. We don't listen to a patient's history. Um, I mean, frankly, that's that's one of the hallmarks of, of so much of modern Western dental medicine, or not just dental medicine, but Western medicine in, in whole is that, you know, we just look at blood work or, you know, we just look at the, the numbers and, and tell somebody, well, this is what you have. We don't listen to their life experience. And what I've observed over 20 plus years of doing dentistry and kind of shifting into this realm of biological dental medicine is that people often notice once they have certain dental procedures done, they'll observe shifts in their health uh, afterward. And, And of course, you know, we're not trained to see those connections. So we think they're not related to anything else necessarily. Uh, But as, as we've come to observe, you know, people can experience major health shifts after particularly procedures such as tooth extractions, root canals, uh, putting in, you know, metallic materials, whether it's a, you know, mercury filling or a titanium implant. Uh, and they'll notice health shifts, right? And they won't observe it necessarily until years later when they start putting the pieces together. Uh, so anyway, kind of a long-winded answer, but it's I, that's my simple my simple answer is systems versus symptoms, um, and I think that you'll find the dental practices who focus on more of a biological approach take a lot more time, and so it, it because they're taking more time, it may be more of an investment for the patient, but also the quality of the information that they're going to get out of that tends to be significantly more rich. Uh, you know, than than when it's, oh, no, we did see something or no, we, you know, we didn't see something, you know, um, you're going to understand a lot more about the health connections that uh, are created through your body and through your mouth. Uh, It is all one energetic entity, right? We can't, uh, we can't divorce the teeth from the rest of your body yet. That's how it's been treated for, you know, centuries. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's kind of like when you when you realize that and I listen to you, you sort of wonder why nobody ever took a history from me when I went to the dentist, you know, like you don't get asked any questions. They just look in your mouth Um, and right from children. They're just really looking at are you brushing your teeth twice a day? One thing I'm sort of curious about is, you know, I've I've had parents, I've seen parents of children who I don't think eat 
particularly high amounts of sugar and their children seem to have problems with their teeth. And then there's other children that seem to have very strong teeth, you know, they're, they're good color. What is, is there some kind of genetic component here to the health of one's teeth and how they develop? That's such a good question. I mean, you and I could talk for a couple hours just on that alone, right? I mean, like uh, biofilm science is, uh, it, it is a, such a big part of the emerging science of dentistry, particularly over the last 10 years. Um, you know, we used to think like, when, at least when I was in school, and, and this is crazy, but, you know, it was like all about fluoride, right? Like, oh, it doesn't matter what you're eating. Like, you know, make sure you rinse with fluoride or use a fluoridated toothpaste. Um, I don't know that, I wouldn't say that genetics specifically are such a huge contributor they can be right. It's a, it's, it is one risk factor to contribute to consider, but I think that um, a much bigger aspect of how, how and why we see certain people and certain family units be more prone to oral disease than others is kind of the culture of the family. How, how do we eat? What do we choose to eat? How frequently are we eating? Um, uh, take for instance, uh, you know, I, I've I can think of situations in, in the past where you know I've got a, a relatively health conscious pra- uh, family coming into the practice, and yet the kids and even the parents' teeth are breaking down. Right? They're like you can tell for some reason or another there's acidity in their diet, and you know you have to start looking for the needle in the haystack. Like what? what would be causing this? I mean, they eat the, you know, the, the kale salads, you know, they're eating the grass fed beef. They're you know, like, what, what's, con- well, turns out, you know, I'm sipping on kombucha all day long mm-hmm. or, Oh, I just love this green, new green tea, except I put raw honey in it and I sip on it all day long, you know? Um, or it could be the sports drink situation where, Oh, you know, our kids are so busy and they're constantly running to practice here and there. And, you know, we want to replace their electrolytes. So they're sipping on Gatorade or Powerade or, you know, whatever sugary acidic drink. And it doesn't matter if it's the diet version, frankly, because it's still loaded with phosphoric acids. And, you know, so it is the, the, the chronicity of exposure that ends up having such a huge impact, um, which is a major part that we have to consider. It's not just what am I eating? It's how am I eating it, right? So the more frequently we're exposed, um, that can that that will create typically for most people more disease. We also have to look at like I believe in the modern lifestyle, the stress that people are exposed to on an ongoing basis, which gets worse and worse with the the amount of like screen time we're exposed to, right? And, and talk about I mean tough for kids, you know you as we're in this whole lockdown situation across the world, which, you know, I mean, there are reasons for that, of course, but like being away from their friends, um, it's, it's a tricky situation with higher stress, less salivary flow, the flow of fluids from inside the teeth out will shift under stress, right? When we get into that fight or flight or sympathetic state. Um, So if your teeth go from, kind of sweating, so to speak, right? Having fluid flowing outward to reverse reversing that, of course, those acids are going to make their way into the dentin of the tooth, 
And, uh, you know, it creates more of a situation where the teeth will break down. So, I mean, it's this whole body thing, right? That's super interesting. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. So saying fluid comes out of the tooth. Um, there's yeah, if you think about your... Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just... I, I, that had never occurred to me, right? That there's fluid going... Obviously, you can see, like, when it, the easiest example, isn't it? When a child loses their tooth, you can see when it comes out. And obviously, there's, like, you know, blood and... You can see whether there's any discoloration when it comes out, things like that. But it hadn't occurred to me that our teeth are actually exchanging fluid themselves. I suppose it hadn't. Oh, yeah. I mean, 80, like 80% 80 of your tooth isn't, it, it is not the part that you see when you smile, right? I mean, we, we think of teeth like, oh, you know, Angela's got a pretty smile. It's, you know, it's that hard enamel stuff. But 80% of your tooth is actually mostly collagen called dentin. It's porous which is important to understand when we think of why root canals fail. Um, so you've got this thing, which is essentially a sponge that's filled with little tiny capillaries, little tiny veins, little tiny um, lymphatic vessels and nerves. It's a living body part. So that's that fluid, just like, you know, we think about our skin is always somewhat moist, except when it isn't right. Sometimes we get dry skin for various reasons. Certainly the, when we're in fight or flight, our skin behaves differently than it does when you know we're in a healthful state. Uh, so the teeth are no different. Uh, the fluid is either going in or out or, or stagnant. So that's, that's critical to understand when we look at why certain people's, I mean, imagine if you lived in a home environment where there was constant stress or, or even within children of a, the same family, right? Like if one kid just has a different disposition and is chronically in a, diff a different state of stress than the others, we might expect to see not only different subjective behavior, but their oral health experience might be very different from their siblings, despite the fact that their diet is the same. How interesting. How interesting. Yep. Actually, you know that when you talk about that, that I have a question around, I know like, I think it's Dr. Kate Shanahan that wrote about this in one of her books and the impact that the child's diet has in terms of creating the correct jaw alignment and how, in recent yeah. history, we've got less and less into the way we would have eaten kind of organ meats and bone broth and had lots of glycine and collagen containing foods. And actually that is now impacting the alignment and, and the way the shape of the face in the same way that the way that you breathe does. So like, I think Kate Middleton, you know, Prince Williamsworth is an example of somebody who has really beautiful alignment. That's why the, the smile looks so good. Um, and that yeah. <laughs> nutrition at a young age seems to influence this have you found that absolutely well it, it you know it, it's both what we're putting in and how we're how we're putting it in right so when we look at if we go back 500 years um or or further consider like there were no convenience foods right you think about all the modern convenient foods it's all pre-macerated right it's like ground beef you know i mean People weren't making hamburgers 500 years ago. You know, you'd have to chew tough meat. That physiologic experience of, you know, moving the jaws, putting pressure on the teeth, uh, even going back further to like breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, you know, the, the power of what the tongue does to an infant in terms of the formation and stimulation of jaw bones is highly significant, right? Mm -hmm not to mention all the uh, microbiological benefits that they get from mom, you know, but 
also physiologically, those signals are stimulating job bone development. And we see, um, you know, as, uh, we see the, the variance between like a bottle fed baby where the jaws tend to be narrower, you know, the, the front teeth tend to be bucked out more, um, or even kids that are thumb suckers, you know, all these physiologic influences have a huge difference on how your jaws form. And of course, if your jaws form, they're part of the bones that are connected to your nasal space. You know, as we understand, like getting quality airflow, breathing through our nose instead of our mouth is very significant in terms of healthfulness. Um, yeah, it, it's great stuff. Um, Dr. Stephen Lynn in Australia wrote a, a great book, um, The Dental Diet. And uh, he does a wonderful job of succinctly talking about those sorts of things. So if any of your listeners enjoy reading about this sort of thing, uh, that is a great book, The Dental Diet. I, I gave a copy to all my team members a couple of years ago for Christmas. And, you know, we did a book club about it and it, they all learned a lot. It's just, again, it's not, not the stuff that we're taught in dental school. Mm, how interesting. I'm, I'm going to look at that myself. Um, yeah. Okay, so kind of then moving on from there. So some people will then experience problems with their teeth and they start to have treatments. Obviously, you mentioned um, there about mercury. So mercury finish, some people have it now. If that's in their mouth, as I understand it, that can be causing significant toxicity in the entire body. But it's not a simple thing of just removing it either, right? It can then cause more problems. Um what kind of things do you see? I mean, it, presumably the list is so broad in terms of what people may experience from things like autoimmune conditions um, and other illnesses from mercury. But I know that there, there will sure. be people definitely listening that have those. Sure. Well, you know, it, it's one part of a big puzzle, right? So <clears throat> for, for some people, their bodies are designed to detox m- way more effectively than others, right? Um, so I I think there's a lot to consider there, excuse me. You know, it's, it's kind of like smoking, you know, if somebody takes one cigarette, you know, they're a teenager or something, it's unlikely for that cigarette to kill them. But if they get into the habit of smoking on the, on a daily basis, you know, that chronic exposure to stuff that their body, it's not really healthy for their body is going to have an effect eventually. And so it's hard to make a study to look at you know, 40 years after you placed five mercury fillings in all these people's mouths, what was the net effect on their neurological condition and health and all that, right? That would be a tough study to do, Um, you know, but we do understand clearly that any exposure to mercury, I mean, there's no known safe level of mercury, right? We know that it affects the generation of uh, nerve axons. It, it makes it so you literally cannot grow healthy new nerves. So if we understand that scientifically, like why on earth would we ever want to be exposed to it? And uh, if, if you haven't looked at the history of how mercury, you know, how did we get to the state where we were allowing people to put mercury in, in other people's mouths, knowing that it caused Mad Hatter's disease, right? 200 years ago, when it was first being introduced as, well, you know, we don't really have any good ways to fill teeth. What, what are some ideas? And they came up with this idea of let's use 50% shaved metal, metal particles and 50% mercury, you know, liquid mercury. Let's mix that together because it'll solidify. 
Um, it was a simple solution that most dentists could do, but they knew it was toxic. So it was a huge problem. Uh, obviously, it's obvious it's toxic, right? Because yes. of things like mad hatter's disease. Yeah. But did they, is, is it a misguided thing that somehow these dentists just believe that the tooth, tooth is an isolated thing? And that it, because obviously it's connected to all of the nerves and it has a blood spot, it has an edgewise. It seems crazy to be able to just think that that is, it's a bit like saying my eye is just my eye and it has no impact on anything else. Exactly. Yeah. If you had an eye infection, no, no problem, right? It's not connected to your body. Um, you know, it's so it's it's so silly. It's so silly. It, well, if you think about it, again, think about our modern health picture, right? Um, kids whose jaws don't develop as effectively as they could be, therefore they don't breathe through their noses as much as they should. So they're breathing through their mouths, and their mouths are teeming with mercury fillings in many cases, and those mercury fillings are chronically off-gassing mercury vapor. It's interesting that for decades, I mean, literally decades, the American Dental Association was like, no, you know, they're totally safe. There's no science that says there's any problem, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, it's obvious, right? I mean, we know for sure gas is always coming, mercury vapor is always coming off of these things. And I think it was just last year they finally acknowledged, well, okay, yes, we acknowledge now that the science is, is too strong to deny. Um, in fact, there is mercury vapor coming off. Um, but, you know, we think it's safe enough for people, you know, six years of age and older, but not if you're a pregnant woman and not if you're under six years of age, then it's not healthy. I mean, it's just craziness. So and I think that in children over the age of six as a. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the I mean, all the time. I mean, it's probably I don't know the exact statistics, but the last that I. I had read was, you know, somewhere in the realm of 50% of new fillings, new fillings being put into children's mouths in America are mercury containing fillings. Wow. Wow. Even though they know that it just, I find it extraordinary and it's just setting up that child for problems later. I want to briefly interrupt today's show to tell you about a brain boosting supplement that I have been taking whenever I really need to engage in deep focused work and that is Game On by Honor. It contains adaptogens to naturally boost mental and physical energy but also fight fatigue, lower stress and helps with recovery and is also shown to be neuroprotective and it has antioxidant properties that help to remove damaging toxins from the brain. It contains lion's mane mushroom, acetyl L-carnitine, L-tyrosine, alpha-GPC, rhodiola rosea. It contains a bit of caffeine, some ginkgo biloba, L-theanine, which helps to kind of smooth out the effects of the caffeine, and hooperzine A. And I really like taking this game on. It really gives me a good kind of four to six hours of power productivity. So um, I've been speaking to the folks over at Game On at Honor, and they have agreed to give all listeners a discount of 15%. Um, all you need to go do is go to www.honorlife.com and enter code Angela15 at checkout to claim your, dis your discount. They also interestingly do another supplement called Sleep On. So if you're someone that struggles with sleep, um, you can try that. And the um, ingredients within it have actually been shown to help you naturally 
boost melatonin production. So here in the UK, melatonin is only available on prescription. Um, and really what you want to be doing is actually helping to boost your body's own production of melatonin. And this Sleep On supplement can help you do that. So if you want to get your game on like me and your Sleep On, then head over to www.onorlife.com and enter code ANGELA15 at checkout to get your 15% off. Um, so when you were talking there about the breathing, and this applies obviously to adults and to children, when they're mouth breathing consistently, is that encouraging the growth? Because I know that when you nasally breathe, you have obviously it warms the air before it goes in the lungs. It's got it enhances nitric oxide, um, and it also has some pretty powerful properties within the nose to actually kill pathogens. So if you're right. mouth breathing, I mean the mouth is full of bacteria anyway. But are you saying that by mouth sure. breathing? you're contributing to more dental damage well you certainly can especially if you think of like let's think of a a common scenario that we might see you know somebody eats or drinks something that is not water before bed then they lie down so they've got all this you know let's say it's sugar for whatever reason like oh i gotta sip my nighttime tea you know with with my sugar or honey or whatever they put in there and, and, and then they, you know, 10 minutes later are, you know, on their back snoring with their mouth open. As your mouth dries out, you're concentrating uh, that acidic nature of the material that's in there, right? So it's going to become more uh, effective as it is more concentrated at breaking the teeth down. Uh, you're, you're, but you're literally changing the ecology, you know, by, by having less fluid in your mouth than you normally should when, when you're, well, not just when you're sleeping. I mean, it's all day long, really. Yeah. And you mentioned there at the beginning about people that might say have green tea all day with honey. So they're exposing themselves to constant sugar or they're exposing themselves to acidic things. What about people who start the day? And this is really common that they will start the day with lemon in water. Um, is that any yeah. kind of risk for the teeth? Yes. And you know, it's funny, my years ago, my wife was, was sipping on, you know, lemon, a little bit of lemon and uh, apple cider vinegar in her morning water. Right. And we started noticing changes in her teeth that we had not seen uh, in, you know, two decades prior. And, And I asked her, how long do you think you're sipping on that in the morning? Right. Like, is it, you make it and then you just drink it down and it's, it's done. Or, you know, might you be sipping on that for a while? And, you know, she didn't really think much about it. She's like, well, I'm not really sure, you know. So so one morning I just kind of started my, you know, phone, <laughs> keeping track of like, when did she start drinking this? And I just let the clock run until the the, uh, the glass was empty. And it was about two and a half hours, right? And she's busy doing things, taking a sip here and there, taking a sip here and there. Um, and those are strong acids, especially lemon water. Um, the <clears throat> effectiveness <laughs> of lemon it's great stuff right uh, and certainly if you want to get that acid into your gut it's not a bad thing it simply can't be in your mouth for a long period of time it will break down it's, it'd be no different than you know somebody who you know l- let's say somebody who's a practicing bulimic who is constantly having the acid from the stomach coming up into their mouth we would expect for that within a fairly short period of time to have major ramifications in terms of erosion, right? It's very, it's very caustic acid. 
So it's the same thing, you know, maybe slightly less caustic uh, lemon juice, but still very acidic. So um, what we talk to people about is, you know, look, if, if you want to have, and you name, you name the substance, right? It doesn't matter if it's lemon water, kombucha. I mean, if, if Diet Coke floats your boat, I'm not here to say it's healthy, but if that makes you the happiest person in the planet, it's your, it's your body, it's your choice, do it. Just don't expose yourself to it over three hours, right? Mm. I mean, compress it into a smaller amount of time. Yeah. So if you had a- if From you, an oral health standpoint. From a normal sta- oral standpoint. So if you were going to have lemon and water, then it's kind of a case of yeah. make it, drink it, it's done within 10 minutes. Because you see it in spas as well, don't you? You'll regularly go in and all day they're serving yep. lemon and lime water. And I think people then think, oh, that's nice. And you can buy those, you can buy these sort of reusable bottles instead that contain fruit. And people think they're being really healthy and they're just sipping all day on these fruit right. in the water, which presumably will cause damage. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, <laughs> it, this is a modern problem. Right. I mean, you go back a few hundred years, people, I mean, I can't say for sure since I didn't live during that time, you know, whether people had, you know, a ceramic vase, a vase with water and fruit. I don't know, but um, I can't imagine that was a practical thing. Right. I mean, our access to processed foods is incredible. Right. I mean, look at how many, you know, probably millions of quickie marts, you know, like, the, the little convenience store, you can go in and everything you want, Angela, it's all in a bottle or a little plastic baggie and it's all pre-chewed and it's all full of acid. And you know what? We're going to pat you on the back and tell you it's, we'll, we'll tell you it's organic, right? And, uh, and it's healthy for you. And it's mostly sugar, it's mostly acid, preservatives. It, you know, it's like we, we kind of live in a weird time yeah. when we think about how, why, why do we see so many chronic health issues. Well, we're chronically exposing ourselves to garbage and and, and thinking it's normal, right? This is a new problem. And even in the health food sector, as you say, you know, people will, I commonly see people and they can't quite understand why they've gained weight or whatever issue. And I'm sure you see this with the dentistry side of things. And actually what they're eating is these healthy bars that are supposedly vegan and you know, protein based, but they're basically full of dates. And if you were to sit and eat dates, this is what I think it's a bit like right. juice, isn't it? Apart from the impact that has then on blood sugar is you physically like, they're so sweet. How many dates could you actually eat before you, uh, and I, I mean, I don't have a sweet tooth, but I would be like, ooh, that's just too much. Whereas when it's packaged up in a bar with a few nuts and things, Somehow this is, and I'm not saying dates are unhealthy. I know they've got some really good properties and vitamins and antioxidants in them, but it's it's really, really high sugar that you definitely were not eating before. You didn't just grab a pack of dates. Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that kind of stuff happens a lot. What happens sure. with um, the coloration, the discoloration of teeth? What causes that? Because I know people use teeth whitening things I actually won a prize with a friend of mine who is a dentist some years back and it was a charity thing and he said to me um and and I won it and it was a teeth whitening kit and I was like oh that's exciting and he was like your teeth are quite white you don't really need it now I could not use it he went (laughs) he made all the molds and I felt so bad I wish someone else had won it because when I put it on that that was the most unpleasant experience I've had it stang like crazy I couldn't well, imagine wanting to put my my teeth in that guard. Presumably that cannot be good, whatever that is doing. It's not like just 
polishing and changing the color is it it's, i don't right. know right well so there's two that you bring up it's such a great point um <laughs> i'm just imagining you you know wearing these four things it's so common i mean you're, you're putting a a, per, a strong i'm not talking like you know swishing your mouth with hydrogen peroxide here you're taking like a very strong peroxide you know strong oxidizing agent and you're coating your teeth in it we I mean, talk about shifting the biofilm right and as we talked about um there are portions of your teeth that are porous with little bitty nerve endings living right inside so you know if, if you have um any any level of dentin exposure or the trays are made in such a way that that uh, peroxide gets underneath the gum line which of course it will uh, people experience sensitivity it's the number one complaint of tooth whitening is wow you know like maybe my teeth got a little wider but oh my goodness it was so they were so sensitive i can't continue with it so um anyway to answer your question about about coloration you know, there's, there's two things, right? There's stain. So let's say this is the person who's a, you know, they just love drinking the English breakfast tea, right? It's great tea, but maybe they, they're using a toothpaste that doesn't have much abrasive in it. So it doesn't polish off the stain. So the teeth just inherently look more stained, right? That's more of a surface area thing, um, which can be polished away or abraded away, depending on how you clean your teeth by yourself or with your dentist. The other uh, issue with tooth coloration, um, which we see on, on a daily basis, is looking at the color of the dentin, right? So that second layer of the tooth, because your, um, your blood flow goes in and out of that, depending on what the nature of your blood chemistry, that can affect the tone of the teeth. So one of the most common things that we'll see is, is somebody who is, uh, as a child, maybe they had some sort of infectious issue and they were given tetracycline antibiotic uh, for a period of time, right? And that tetracycline, if your developing permanent teeth are being exposed to that as a child, it can create stripes. I mean, imagine that, right? As your, your little cells are creating, you know, they're You've got a construction crew creating new teeth inside your jawbone as a child. If you're exposing it to certain substances, it can change the color of the tooth structure. Now, once the teeth come into the mouth, you can't change that, right? So some people inherently have darker teeth. And it's probably a, a reflection of their diet and biochemistry as they were growing up uh, more than anything else. With that, it's pretty rare that you're going to change that without doing something restoratively, right? I mean, there are, there are ways, usually the method that I use is like a non, a non-invasive veneering method, right? Like you can make little ceramic veneers that are half a millimeter thick to put over the top to kind of mask darkness if somebody's bothered by it. Um, but that's just a personal choice thing, right? Yeah. And, and in terms of like toothpaste that people use, you were talking about their abrasive. So I know like in the kind yeah. of wellness community, people are very much like, don't use fluoride. It's neurotoxic. Um, and then yeah. 
what, what is your view in terms of I I don't think I was looking actually it's quite interesting because I know like where I live for example there isn't fluoride added to the water um even though we right. filter anyway I'm not sure that would remove it but um we don't have it whereas in certain areas there are and obviously that's increasing exposure but for somebody who is using brushing their teeth twice a day is there a reason that they shouldn't be using a fluoride-based toothpaste well yeah I mean th think of it this way right I'm gonna I'm kind of step off the path of fluoride thinking for just a second, but imagine somebody who experiences uh, chronic angina, you know, they're, they're told to take a nitroglycerin tablet and put it under their tongue. Why would we do that? Because we know that the oral mucosa is insanely absorptive, right? Mm -hmm. It absorbs that nitroglycerin in a, like literally a heartbeat, it gets into your body, things change, you know, the biochemistry changes in your body and, and you experience change. So, what do we think, you know, we think about fluoridated toothpaste and, oh, it's going to, you know, strengthen your teeth, make them more acid resistant, which there's truth, right? To when you incorporate fluoride to enamel, it does create a, a chemical change and they do become more acid resistant. But think about that two minutes or so that your oral mucosa is absorbing what's in that toothpaste, right? And studies have been done looking at chronic exposure of in particular children to fluoride and the neurological effects that that has. And I, you know, I've not seen good information coming out of those studies, right? They definitely see, you know, decreases in IQ with kids who have fluoride exposure versus those who do not. So my thinking would be, well, if you were able to get clean teeth, fresh breath, all the things that you want, and you didn't, and, and you had a non-fluoridated toothpaste, like what's the, why wouldn't you do that? You know, why wouldn't you decrease your risk of exposure? So like for, I'd say the last five years in, in our household, you know, we all kind of agreed on, you know, I get, I get all sorts of toothpaste to try, as you can imagine. Um, and, you know, we've, we found with toothpaste, we all like the flavor of it. It's non-fluoridated. It has enough abrasive that, you know, keeps your teeth clean. Um, you know, we've tried some that have no abrasive, but it's, I don't, I, which one do I use? Yeah, I'm just interested because I, I had one I was trying, which is quite nice, but it's definitely a different experience. You know, I think it was yeah. Dr. Hershams, but also it is significant. There's a huge price difference between that toothpaste and what somebody is going to go and buy in your local supermarket. Yeah, yeah. You know, the one that we found that we all liked is it's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Jason brand. Yeah. Uh, Yes. They have a lot of organic products. It's the Power mm -hmm. Smile Mint. That's, I mean, you know, again, you, you're right. There, there are hundreds of them out there. That's the one that I feel like it reminds me most of the feeling that I enjoyed as a kid, you know? I mean, I think I was destined to be a dentist, right? I always loved the dental experience. I love the fresh breath. I love the, you know, I like chewing, you know? I mean, I, <laughs> I like eating too. Teeth really help you with that. So, but yeah, that's the toothpaste that I personally use. Um, I've tried a few others. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, I'm sure it'll come to me. Um, we have a couple others in our office that our hygienists uh, are, you know, depending on what we're trying to accomplish with a patient, right? Somebody who's out of biofilm balance, let's say they're more, they're more prone to gum disease. They're more prone to active decay or, you know, acidic breakdown, we might recommend different products to help 
you know, trend their oral biofilm in a direction that's more helpful. Uh, so we have a lot of different options there. Yeah, interesting. Um, and the other thing actually is quite interesting that I learned is that you shouldn't use mouthwash either because that can often, particularly the antibacterial ones, can actually kill the bacteria in the mouth that produce nitric oxide. And this can lead to kind of blood pressure problems. Um, right. Yes, are you kind of very much against mouthwash? Because lots of people like that, don't they? Because of that zingy, fresh breath feeling. Yeah. Totally. I, as a matter of fact, um, I don't know, maybe four years ago or something, I wrote a blog post about that. It, it, it's still the most popular blog post I wrote. You know, and I and it's kind of shocked me because I'm like, really, do people really care about mouthwash? I mean, of all things, they want to use mouthwash, but I mean, for whatever reason, it's a you know multi million dollar industry. We're gargling with like fake colored alcohol and thinking it's healthy, you know. I mean, we just buy into all the marketing, yeah, yeah, you know, it's true, and I think, and also, I think, like, didn't they do some research on I forget which toothpaste? company it was in America when they were trying to trying to basically get people to brush twice a day and what they found was the reason they kept coming back was because of this was it pepsidin or something it was this positive uh, reward basis that people had from that lovely kind of zingy taste and they were like oh I'll brush my teeth again because I get it and as you say it's right you don't want to kind of miss out on that one thing that I'm curious about is um you see quite a bit of research coming out now about the propensity to oral cancers and they seem to be increasing and seeing more of those. And I've seen some studies that obviously uh, smoking increases your risk, smoking next to food, which seems crazy that anybody would ever smoke in the first place now, but you'll see people in still in some countries and they will, you know, eat the starter in a restaurant, smoke a cigarette, eat another one. And I know that increases it, but also alcohol increasing um, your risk of throat cancer and things. Is that dose dependent? Because obviously there's sections like blue zones, for example, it's really common. Um, the French, you know, often will have a very, very small amount of alcohol, like a glass of wine on a pretty regular basis. What have you seen in terms of this propensity for mouth cancer now and tongue cancer and things like that? Um, that's a good question. You know, it's, I would think, and I would say, so, to give you a, a perspective, like we, we use a Velscope in our practice, which is a, a device that allows you to, you're, you're emitting blue light into the patient's mouth and looking through a, a lens filter that allows you to see reflection of the basement membrane. So in, in other words, it allows us to see changes in oral tissues earlier on, right? So it's like an early detection device. Um, and I wouldn't say that we see a lot of tissue changes, but I would just think from a general health Thinking logically, right, as we were talking about earlier, the, the chronic exposure to things that are not natural, mm. and not saying that alcohols aren't natural. I mean, people have been drinking wine for years, but I think that um, the rate at which people uh, conveniently smoke has certainly changed in the modern era, right? I mean, 200 years ago, you'd probably have to roll your own cigarette. Now you just get a pack of 20 and go to town. Um, so I, I, I suspect, and this is just me postulating, right? I'm, I'm not an oral cancer expert. Um, uh, but I, I just think that given our chronic exposure to things that are less than natural, it probably plays a large part. 
not, not to mention that from a dietary standpoint, the, and I'm sure you're well aware of this, the, the richness of the, the foods that we eat, you know, they become calorically high and nutritionally low, right? Because it's all processed. Yeah. So how can our body, when it faces oxidative stress of smoking, drinking, stress, stressful lives, you name it, right? If you don't have a rich source of antioxidants uh, for your body to then combat that stress, you'll, you'll experience breakdown. I mean, we, we yeah. fully understand that. Mm. So I think it's a big picture thing, but yeah. it's, a good, it's a good thing to consider. Yeah, it's interesting. And also what we see, isn't it, is when we look at people's genetics, I know when I look at that, you mentioned at the beginning about the way that people detoxify and the way they might detoxify something like mercury. You know, you can see certain deletions in the um, genetics. They're not there. They need supportive. You know, some people just don't inherently produce their own um, endogenous antioxidants quite as well. And so they need yeah. further support. So if they're then like layering on top extra um, things to deal with in terms of toxicity, then they're much more vulnerable, aren't they? Which is probably why we see differences in people. Um, For sure. I mean, when we were talking before, you, you were mentioning a story of a, of a woman who'd had a crown. Um, she'd come to see you and then she'd noticed these, these crazy kind of symptoms that were showing up in terms of, you. I think you mentioned like anxiety, heavy periods that she could like time-wise link back to the crown. And the teeth, I've, you know, I, I don't know a lot about this, but from my research, it seems like the teeth relate to different body parts as well. So it's indicative. Um, can you kind of elaborate for that for people? Because it wasn't something I'd really considered much before. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's perhaps one of the um, larger aspects of our practice is the fact that we acknowledge the energetic connection and biological connection of your teeth to the rest of your body. So yeah, this, this woman's story, I just, you know, she just came in as a new patient yesterday. Um, it was, well, well, there's a lot of reasons that this was so intriguing, right? One was that she had had the root canal on her upper right first molar, maybe 15 years ago or so, the dentist said, you know, make sure you get a crown on your tooth, which for whatever reason, she chose not to do that. 10 years go by and a part of the tooth breaks off, which is probably why he said, go get the crown, <laughs> you know? So she gets this crown on and suddenly she starts experiencing major shifts in her health. And as you mentioned, you know, her menstrual cycles completely changed. Um, what I felt was also, you know, very interesting in her story was um, the anxiety that she started experiencing. And we see this all the time, but we don't, we don't, we, you know, we just assume like, well, it must be, it must be the way you think, or it must just be you. That's your nature. You're an anxious person, whatever. You know, we don't think to look in the mouth. Um, but she could, she, as she went back, she could tie it directly to like, right after that crown, I started feeling like a different human being. And she had been to see a few different dentists over the last five years. Um, and, and more recently, because the tooth had become painful, uh, she, she had been in to see two dentists who told her, no, things look fine. So as part of our uh, assessment in our practice, we, we do what's called um, 3D cone beam radiography. So it's, you're doing a three-dimensional CT scan, right? Um, which is very low dose. It has to do with how the technology works with cone beam emission and radiation and all this. 
Anyways, you get an amazing scan for very low radiation. And we could see this poor woman had a, an abscess that's more than a centimeter wide over the top of her tooth that's draining into her maxillary sinus, right? So, and so she's now, I can't see this. This is only because you've done the scan. So she's totally unaware that she has this abscess. Right, exactly. Um, you should, you, sh you would like to think you should be able to see that with a two dimensional x-ray, but you know, two dimensional x-rays, although they are helpful at certain things, uh, as you can imagine, trying to view a three dimensional object with a two dimensional picture, you, you lose a lot of information, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in the sinus. Uh, those those x-rays, the two-dimensional x-rays are designed to see teeth, not peripheral areas, right? So that's where the three-dimensional radiography is so helpful. Anyway, um, yeah, we can see like, wow, this is clearly a very sick tooth. And and, and as, as I have written about for the past couple of years in my Instagram, in my daily Toxic Tuesday posts, um, uh, or weekly Toxic Tuesday posts, the energetic shifts that occur when you kill a tooth, so you remove vital living tooth structure, um, or the tooth dies on its own, right? Sometimes that happens. Um, a tooth gets injured, or maybe the injury is a dental filling or a crown or something, and the nerve dies. That absolutely changes energetic flow along that energy meridian. So if you Google you know, tooth energy meridians, you'll see that all the teeth, and of course the teeth when they're being formed, um, stem from the same embryological tissues as your central nervous system, right? So clearly they're they a connected part to our neurological experience, which is our energetic experience. So when, it, when a tooth dies or is killed, that's gonna change the energetic flow. So it's interesting when we start looking at what a person describes are their systemic health symptoms. And we start looking at a chart like that, we go, huh, well, that's interesting. You see the connections between the teeth that have been root canal and the energetic experience that you um, live with. And as we, and I've seen this more times than I can count, where when we remove infection, which almost always includes an, an infected tooth, uh, almost instantly people will notice an energy shift. Like literally as the tooth comes out of their mouth, they will sometimes notice like, whoa, is it out? And they, yeah, you know, like I, like I felt something change. I can't explain that, but I've seen it over and over and over. Positive uh, um, shift in energy. So once you've removed it, yeah. and, and presumably that yes. you have to be quite careful that you don't let anything kind of leak out into the bloodstream as, as that process is taking place. Well, think of it this way. It's already connected to your cardiovascular system and it has been. So in this woman's case, it's been connected to her blood supply for 15 years. Every time she compresses on that as she bites, she's introducing more of that infection into mm. her lymphatic drainage and her blood supply, right? So we know for sure, as you remove that tooth, you're going to stir it up. You're going to stir up the hornet's nest for sure, right? So you want to support a person in the, through that process, you know, like in our practice, we're using homeopathics, we're using ozone, we're using vitamin C, uh, IV drips, um, 
we're using, I actually send every patient who has surgery with us home with a 630 nanometer red light therapy unit, uh, which they're free to buy and, and keep at home if they want to keep it. I, I mean, I keep one at home. I use it all the time. Um, it is a rarity for our patients after having significantly invasive surgery to use either ibuprofen, Tylenol, uh, any type of narcotics. They just use the homeopathics, the light therapy. Uh, you know, we're, we're packing in their own. And, and considered it for teeth because I use a red light at home um, treatment yep. Like full body exposure and obviously the distance depends doesn't it whether you're going more and getting those mitochondrial benefits or whether you're doing it more superficially on things like collagen how do you use that for the mouth then in this scenario with surgery yeah so it's 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 literally a little plastic device that's about so big the head on it you know might be four centimeters in diameter it's it's a little um well it's not that little it's it's a decent size right uh, it's about the, the size of a, a tennis ball can, right? Uh, something about that broad. We just have them put the light over the area of surgery and also maybe over their TMJ because they've been open for a while. And uh, the units that we use are called the MedLite, uh, MedLite 630. You can buy them on Amazon. Um, and, you know, I, again, as, as you say, like you've got a red light therapy unit home. There's so many of them. We just have found that this brand is, it's, it's a reasonably good price point. It's very effective. Uh, we buy them by the dozens. And, uh, and again, if, if the patient wants to keep it, which many of them do. So anyways, we have them do that for eight minutes over each area of surgery. And uh, again, along with their homeopathics, the people who use their homeopathics don't need anti-inflammatories. Interesting. Uh, I also personalized homeopathy, is it, where the homeopath basically takes an assessment and then um, prescribes specific ones to that person based on their patient history, as well as the surgery that they've had. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, we've just found like four different homeopathics that, that for most people tend to work very well. I also use, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a lymphatic drainage remedy. And I know this is getting a little bit out there, but you know, yeah. if we're talking about energy medicine, right. They've got all this infection that we've just removed. I use what's called a remedy maker, which records the electromagnetic signature of the infection that was just in their mouth. And I invert that signal into this drainage remedy and give that to the patient, right? It's, it's like an, I think of it. They take or? Say that again. Is that, is that an oral prescription that they're taking? Uh, yeah, it's like a, it's like a liquid, you know, it's an alcohol based, uh, um, it's by Marco Pharma called Lymphonest. So it's a lymphatic drainage remedy. Um, and yeah, so we, we put the, the inverted electromagnetic signature into that Lymphonest. The patient goes home, does, you know, 30 to 50 drops in water three times a day. Um, and what we have seen, again, all I can tell you is what we've observed. I've been taking teeth out for over 20 years. It is amazing to have a practice where more than 50% of what I do is remove root canal teeth, right? And it is, I almost, in a given month, I will usually write zero prescriptions for narcotics. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. That's because they and, have and very rarely do they take um, uh, ibuprofen. Or, or, you know, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Because we know that, like, even those, those might reduce your symptoms of 
experiencing inflammation, it slows the healing process. So if we want to encourage healing, mm. um, you know, you, you might have a little more inflammation on the front end, but your body's going to get to healing more quickly. And, and most patients are committed to that. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that's acute inflammation in any event designed to heal, isn't it? So you don't kind right. of want to dampen um, that. Wow. That, that's really interesting. And so I'm just curious then, like the lady that you were talking about there, it was really interesting, like, because obviously I can see now the energetic side of things, but why yeah. would that infection, like, obviously it's linked to the cardiovascular system, it's going in the blood, but now what it's done is it sounds like it's really shifted her hormone levels and balance to, to create a, yep. the anxiety it's affected her neurotransmitters and then also to create that amount of heavy bleeding. Um, there's been yep. a big shift. That's interesting that yep. I guess you can't tell what it's going to do in the body, right? It's just her vulnerability maybe. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it's like, well, what, what is the weakest system in that individual's body? We don't know. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll share with you briefly another incredibly interesting experience I've had over the last two weeks. I, I've um, one of my dental assistants. I've I've worked with you know chair side knee to knee for the last two and a half years, and um, the, she's such an awesome gal. She she was always running hot, right? So we're back in our in our little treatment room all all the time. You know, she's like, can we bring the heat down? You know, because she's just always running hot. And she's, you know, she's in her early thirties. So she's not, you know, at the point of, of having hot flashes necessarily. Right. Um, and her upper right first molar was, it's the only tooth in her mouth that had a root canal. So about two months ago, we just got a brand new cone beam 3d scanner system. And she was one of the first people that we did a scan on. Right. And come to find out around her roots, she had quite significant infection. And, and this, by the way, is like a hundred my experience with root canal teeth is a hundred percent of them are infected, right? The only reason you don't see x-ray evidence of infection is that you have a, an immune system, which is trying to help you combat this thing, but eventually they're all going to fail. Right. So anyway, so we see this thing like, yeah, that's not good. Understandably based on what she sees on a daily basis she recognized, I don't want this in my mouth. So, you know, we, I guess it was a week ago, Monday, we took her tooth out significantly infected, right? Had to get the, I mean, she actually had a perforation into her maxillary sinus. Wow. So I had to repair all that. Thankfully we use what's called LPRF. It's a concentrate from your own blood um, to help regenerate things. What's been so interesting in her healing process is that she went from being chronically hot like where she was sleeping with the window open every night, you know, and our climate is like yours. It's not warm in the winter um, to where she's now feels cool by comparison. She's noticed her level of anxiousness has completely changed. Amazing. Right. And I mean, just to, to listen to her, your mouth just drops open because it's like, wow. This is, I mean, and I've heard this from hundreds of patients now. Um, you, you would think I would get used to it, but you never do. Mm. I mean, but that's incredible. 15, without 
about that scan, she had no idea. And she's obviously young, healthy, um, you know, works with you. How would she have got that infection in the first place? Because it kind of begs the question, and how many people are walking around with infections that they're completely unaware of? Millions, literally millions. You know, in, in America alone, right? I mean, and America is only one small part of a big world. More than 15 million root canals will be done this year, right? Yeah. Might be more than 20. Might be more than 20. Yeah. Now, maybe maybe 10 of those root canals will be in one person. You know, I mean, it, it varies considerably, as you might imagine. Um, and that's, root canals are only one access portal for infection to get into your job. When we were talking earlier about, you know, the issue of when teeth are extracted, if we don't facilitate optimal healing in that area, um, which as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, we're using ozone, we're using pulse laser technology, we're using LPRF for regeneration. You know, my goal is to help people's bodies regenerate an anatomical uh, state of bone and gum health that has optimal energetic flow and, and, and no inflammation. Uh, and, and by and large, the, the majority of our patients do, right? But we take a lot of time to do that. It's not just like pull the, the tooth out, throw some gauze in there and pat you on the back. Exactly, which um, is often standardly done, right? There you go, off you oh, go. Oh yeah. And think about that, you, you know, we know that, so if there are millions of root canals, there's also millions, literally millions of wisdom teeth alone. Forget all the other teeth that are extracted, but wisdom teeth being pulled uh, per year, not to say that that's inappropriate at all. I mean, for many people, getting your wisdom teeth out is absolutely appropriate. They come in at weird angles, they get decayed. I mean, you know, there's lots of reasons to take them out. But if we go from a, a place of having an, an unhealthy tooth to way less healthy bone, that's a bigger problem, right? So as I've observed both in removing infection with wisdom or uh, with root canals, similarly in these cavitation lesions that can form in jaw bones, uh, the stories that we hear of people who at, you know, they were a healthy person, right? Vibrant athletic person, uh, and, and at the age of 22, they go in and they have all their wisdom teeth taken out. And in a year's time, they've been diagnosed, you know, their energy tanks, they've been diagnosed with Lyme disease, right? Uh, and again, not to say that you can't be bit by a chick and have, you know, exposure to pathogens and all that. But I, I observe a lot of people whose health stories aren't consistent with tick bites, but they've had some very obvious sources of infection when they have their teeth removed and the beginning of their health decline happened within a month after their wisdom teeth were taken out let's say that's just an example and it's not until years later that they have suffered for a decade or 20 years or whatever um, tried everything under the sun from you know ozone injections to saunas to you know celery juice diets to you name it and then they finally look at what's obvious that like, oh, maybe it has something to do with the surgery, a surgical intervention that I had on a bone in my body. It became infected and it's been infected for that, you know, 20 years or whatever. Since as soon as you get that cleaned up and help a person's body to get back on track of healing and to regenerate, regenerate itself, 
It's like watching miracles happen. I bet. Uh, but you'll yeah. never observe it if you don't understand as a clinician the possibility that it exists. Which which most it took me fifteen years to, to understand. You know. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I bet most don't. And so, that's super interesting how that affects the body. What another question I have before we kind of sure. move close because you've given so much of your time here is. I know there's a link between dental health and cardiovascular health. Um, what's the link there and how can people try and encourage optimal cardiovascular health through the way they care for their teeth? Oh yeah, great question. I'll give you the name of another book. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there, are a lot of good, there are a lot of good books out there that you could read about this. One of the best is called uh, Beating the Heart Attack Gene. Beating the Heart Attack. A beating the heart attack gene. Okay. Yeah, and it's by a guy named Dr. Brad Bale, B-A-L-E. Uh, <clears throat> it he does a phenomenal job of explaining. He he was actually his studies defined the pathway of how inflammation in the mouth from from periodontal infection. And by the way, I mean, the amount or or the percentage of people walking around with chronic gum infection is incredible, right? I mean, well more than 50% of adults have some level, maybe not severe, right? Although that certainly exists, um, but some level of smoldering infection in their mouths from a gum health standpoint uh, that slowly but surely leads to inflammation within the cardiovascular lining, which then leads to heart attacks. He does such a phenomenal job of explaining that in in plain English, by the way, not like super complicated words. Like he he uses the analogy of setting a fire and how how would a fire develop within your your blood supply, right? And and so he he describes that whole system. Um, He is actually through his work um, that you're now able to say, not only is there a link from between periodontal disease and cardiovascular disease, you, you can actually say periodontal, periodontal disease causes, right? It is causative of uh, heart disease, right? And cardiovascular disease. And it also causes so, like pericarditis where you get inflammation of the lining of the heart, presumably it can. Yeah. Absolutely. It's all, it's all, the, same, it's all the same fire, right? And that fire, you know, gets circulated throughout your body. So, you know, whether a person might be more prone to, um, you know, throwing a leg clot or a heart attack or a stroke or, you know, you name it, right? All sorts of cardiovascular uh, complications. Um, that would probably depend on the individual patient. Um, and, and, and in there, genetics will absolutely play a role right? In a person's risk profile. Uh, but for people who are interested in that, it's awesome. I mean, it's a, you can get it on audible, right? You can listen to it. If you like, you know, you got a half an hour commute in the morning, great book to either read or listen to. It is hugely eye-opening. Amazing. I will link, you want to fl- I'll link to that in the show. Make you want to floss your teeth. Huh? Go and floss. Make you want to floss your teeth. Yeah, I know. <laughs> heard that like flossing teeth is linked to lifespan as well that's what I was going to close with actually is what are your top tips <laughs> somebody from a 
dental perspective, right, obviously it affects the whole body. What should we be doing on a daily basis to basically get our mouths as healthy as they possibly can be and encourage the health of our of our body in general from that perspective? Sure. Well, okay, thank you for asking. Um, one of the best things that we can do is, is find space in our daily living where we can have some reflective time, right? As we were talking about earlier, if we appreciate the fact that our, when we are in a parasympathetic state, our teeth are able to detox themselves, what value does that have on your entire body, your teeth included, your gum health included, if we can find that time? So whether it's, you know, a half an hour reading a book so you can decompress, whether it's time in a sauna, whether it's, you know, a walk with your, your partner or your dog or something, you know, where you get into that parasympathetic state and, and can um, find, you know, on a daily basis, as important as, you know, exercising in your diet and all that getting your balanced energy, right? It's so critical to your oral health. Um, an, another thing that I would highly recommend, you'll find this isn't a brush and floss talk, by the way, right? Yeah. You, people, people, get, pe people have heard enough of that. Another thing um, is please acknowledge your own truth. If you sense that something isn't right with this tooth or after I had this procedure, I know something isn't right. You energetically know or inherently know something isn't right. I guarantee you something isn't right, right? And the trick is finding somebody who will acknowledge that your truth is true for you. As, as clinicians, whether it's dentists, physicians, you name it, we are trained to tell you that we are the expert and we'll tell you what is right or wrong, but I absolutely, I mean, I don't agree with that. People come in and they already know this is what I'm experiencing. It's true for me. Even if I, as a clinician, don't understand it, it doesn't mean it's not true for them. So acknowledge your own truth and your own experience and Try, try your best to find a, a, a biological dentist or even a traditional dentist who's willing to listen mm -hmm. because there will be more power in that than any dentifrice or floss or toothpaste or mouthwash or any of that stuff or kale smoothie. And, you know, that human connection from one to another who acknowledges that what you're experiencing is valid has more power than anything else I've ever found. Yeah. So. I think those two, th those two things are really helpful in terms of <clears throat> helping a person get to and maintaining a state of healthfulness and energetic balance in their mouths and the rest of their body for that matter. Yeah, that's great. That is uh, great advice. And I don't think uh, I definitely didn't realize about the teeth detoxifying uh, until, until we had this podcast. I feel like I've learned a ton. Um, presumably on top, they should actually be brushing their teeth twice a day and flossing. Is flossing a daily or twice daily practice? Um, uh, I would say it depends on the person. Um, you know, if, if a person tells me, you know, I floss once or twice a week, I tell them that is significantly more than most people, right? I mean, let's be honest. Most people don't floss. Mm. Uh, and, and as you acknowledge, we also know 
completely, you know, from a scientific standpoint, people who floss, not only is that helpful for their health, you know, but the habits throughout the life, you know, the lifespan and in the daily living of a person who's willing to take the time to floss their teeth also tends to have other behavioral characteristics that are indicative of those who appreciate and value the long-term investment in their health. Mm-hmm. So um, it's usually a sign, a, a sign that they're doing other things as well. <laughs> you know, they're probably drinking more water. They're probably exercising. They're probably more thoughtful about what they put in their body, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah I just, I can't imagine not brushing my teeth, you know, two or three times a day because I've not because I'm a dentist, but because I've been doing it since I was a baby and I like the way my mouth feels when it's clean. Yeah. 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 Interesting. I just, it, uh, one question popped up actually then before you go, which was what about oil pulling this kind of Ayurvedic idea of putting coconut oil in the mouth and kind of moving around for 15 minutes and collecting those toxins and then spitting it out. Yeah. Thought on that? Is it something yes. So I don't personally do that, but, um, I would, I mean, not that I'm opposed to it. I, what I would say is that like, I actually saw a woman yesterday. <clears throat> she's, um, she's awaiting a kidney transplant. So she's, she's in a state of, you know, some, some level of, of compromised autoimmunity. Um, yet she had, so you might expect for her mouth to not look so good, right? This woman had the most pristine gum health and I'm in there taking off old crowns and getting rid of metals and, you know, cleaning up some just breakdown that's happened over 30 years of having a crown on a tooth. And even with my, my little dental drill bit is touching her gums. They're so healthy. And I, and I asked her, I said, you know, what, what, what are you doing on a daily basis? That's, that's helping. She's like, you know what? I found a, a couple of years ago doing this coconut oil pulling. And she's like, does it make a difference? I'm like, well, <laughs> for you, it certainly is. So if a person finds that that's helpful, and their dental professionals that are working with them say, wow, you know, I mean, this looks amazing. Why not? I mean, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And the key thing, isn't it, is obviously to not make sure you're, sw- to make sure you're not swallowing any of it and actually get it. Well, out. right. And, and, and don't spit it down the sink if it's coconut oil, because it'll end up solidifying somewhere down the line, which we don't need in our water supply. So you want to spit it in the garbage. Yeah. Very good point. Amazing. Thank you so much. That's been, I have learned a ton and I'm sure that the listeners have as well. Um, so Toxic Tuesdays, we can look out for on your Instagram, but please link to, you You mentioned your blog. Please just shout out where everyone can find more about you, your work. Yeah, absolutely. Please, uh, both on Facebook and Instagram, that's uh, at Blodgett Dental Care. Um, or, or they can go to my website, so one of the things on my website that uh, we offer, because, you know, the truth is people e- email me or instant mess or direct message me on Instagram um, or link through our website from every country on the planet. I mean, it's, it's my mind has been blown about how we can connect through, you know, using Internet with other human beings. Um, I do have a portal on my website called Ask BDC, where people can input their information. Uh, they can upload uh, either x-rays and or photographs. I mean, it's really helpful if I get all of it uh, and they can ask questions about their own clinical uh, situation. You know, it, there's a fee associated with it, um, a few hundred dollars, and then I'll spend time reviewing their history. I might email them with more questions, but I'll give them like a consultative uh, service, you know, to help um, 
get them on track. I would say a lot of people who end up doing that then fly to Portland, uh, you know, for, for our practice to help them, uh, which we, we love and appreciate. I mean, we are, we are here to serve all people who want to optimize their oral health and the, the health of their whole body. So um, depending on where you're, where you are in the world, we're, we're here to serve. What a great thing to actually be able to upload their scans and get that that contact with you. I will link to all of this in the show notes so people can do that. Um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. I'll also link to your website. Your, your website is, is it www.drkellyblodgett? Blodgett Dental. It's Blodgett. just blodgettdentalcare.com. Blodgettdentalcare.com. We'll put that in the show notes together with your Instagram and the books that you taught and everything you've referred to. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kelly. It's been really amazing. Thank you, Angela. This was great. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to today's episode. You can find all of the show notes over on my website, www.angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcast. And in there, I link to everything that we talked about. I also link to the study that I mentioned at the beginning about the effects of fluoride on children's um, IQ levels and all the other things that we've mentioned in today's episode can be found over there on my website www.angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcast and if you've enjoyed today's show then I would ask you to leave a positive review on iTunes it really helps us to get the message out there and if you take a screenshot and actually tag me on social media on Instagram and at Angela S. Foster, then you will be entered into a competition that we're running at the moment to win my flagship 90-day DNA-based Live Younger Longer Blueprint. It includes the world's most advanced DNA test that tests over 31 million data points and 12 weeks of me coaching you through how to optimize every aspect of your physical and mental health to really live younger for longer. It also includes monthly group coaching calls and a private community. And one lucky listener is going to be winning that prize. It's got over £3,000 worth of value. So, If you want to enter, simply subscribe to this podcast so you never miss another episode and leave a positive review, take a screenshot and send it to me at Angela at AngelaFosterPerformance.com or just tag me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster. And if you want to increase your chances of winning, then what you can do is actually take a screenshot of you listening to this episode or any other episode and tag me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster. And if you've got any other suggestions that you would like me, um, any questions you'd like me to include on future podcasts, any suggestions of guests, then please just Um, direct message me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster. I'm always in there in my DMs chatting to people. So um, send me a direct message on Instagram at Angela S. Foster with any suggestions or questions that you have for future episodes. And as I say, you can also enter this competition multiple times by increasing and increase your chances of winning by tagging me on your favorite episode or the episode you're listening, wherever you are, whether that's working out in your car, whatever you're doing, and just tag me at Angela S. Foster. Thanks again for listening. As I say, all the show notes will be over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. 
You can grab the show notes, the resources, and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body, and lifestyle.